Welcome to Motherhood Exposed. Join me, Zoe Cresswell, mum of two and a UK-trained midwife and doula, as I meet with an array of amazing women navigating life and motherhood. Since becoming a mum for the second time, after my own complex journey, I've become more and more aware that motherhood is so unique. There's no one story the same, and women need support now more than ever. I hope by allowing mothers to openly speak out, we can help to break the silence around many topics. We need to shout out that there is no normal, and that is something we need to embrace. Motherhood isn't always picture perfect, so let's bust some myths, realign expectations, and share the journey together. Today, I speak to my first male guest, father and literally the driving force behind the non-profit organisation Team Angel Wolf, Nick Watson. Nick and his 18-year-old son, Rio, are well-known faces in the sporting world in Dubai. For the last six years, Nick has raced hundreds of triathlons, pulling and pushing Rio, born a person of determination, along the way. Nick talks me through the full story behind the inspirational team and life with his special family. Hey. How are you? Very good, thank you. Thank you very much for your time and um, letting me speak to you. It's a real pleasure. Thank you. Um, so, I've just informed you that I start my podcast with the same questions. How <laughs> did you meet? Well, it's usually your husband, but um, you're my first man, which is okay. very exciting. Awesome. I'm honoured. <laughs> thank you. That was the right, right answer to that. Good. Um, so, how did you meet Delphine? Um, so, I used to be in the Royal Marines. And um, when I left the Royal Marines, my kind of passion was health and fitness. Um, so um, a great thing about being in the military, they look after you for a certain kind of period to re-educate yourself. So mm-hmm. I went on a personal training and sports therapy course. And um, um, Delphine was on the course at the same time. Oh. So she was, you know, she was having some change in her life. She had been traveling around Australia and New Zealand and she wanted to like, look for a different career. I was coming out of the Royal Marines, so we kind of met on the course, and um, yeah, been together ever since. And when was that? Because you've been married a long time, uh, haven't you? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'll probably get the dates wrong. Uh-oh. <laughs> <Selfie. laughs> uh Ninety-six. So ninety-six when we did the course. Wow. Um, I joined the Royal Marines in ninety-one. Came out. Uh, did five years and um, yeah, that's where we met Delphine, and yeah, that's been that was the start of our journey. And the rest. The rest is history. Is, is history, yes. Nice. So when did you get married? Um, oh my God, don't ask me that. Uh, <laughs> oh, the um, date, the place. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the 14th of December, what year was it? <laughs> there you go, oh, she's Jennifer <laughs> What year was it, Delphine? Oh, you're meant to know, because I was about to say, I normally interview ladies who know exactly everything. <laughs> So I'm doing algebra upstairs. Oh, oh. Okay, so she's doing algebra it's upstairs. It's two upstairs. Homeschool- homeschooling, Why are you? yeah. Oh, God, and there's me complaining what? about two weeks of it. What year did we get married? 2001. 2001. Oh, no. It's been a long night. Oh, hi, dear. Hi. How are you? Yeah, good, okay, thank you. Is that okay for your podcast? Is there like alternative conversations going on in the background? Absolutely. It's home, <laughs> it's home life, isn't it? It's home life. There you go. Homeschooling and home life. So 2001. And 2001, 14th of December. Um, we were very fortunate at the time, actually, because we were, um, we wanted to kind of have a quiet wedding and invite friends and, you know, like close, close relatives. And it was the same year as September 11th. Um, so it was in the December so obviously a bit like now everything literally had closed yeah, yeah. in regards to hotels so we'd started talking to some some of the hotels and um, 
we were kind of fortunate, but we never thought it'd be feasible. Uh, we went to Al Maha, and we asked hey, you were here. them. Yeah, we were here. No, I didn't realize so that. So we went to Al Maha, which nice. is this amazing resort, and they they said, look, because obviously at the time they never allowed children mm-hmm. to actually stay overnight. Yeah. They said you have to take the whole resort. And we were like, you did not. We took the whole resort for the night. Oh my goodness! And they gave us the most amazing. It was empty. They gave us the most amazing rates. And then what we did is we supplied, obviously, the food, the drink, and obviously as much as we could. And then we invited really close friends. So friends came in, and they were so... They were just amazing, to be honest with you. So we took the whole night, and they gave us the kind of presidential suite. We got married by the pool. We had to get the official marriage here in the morning. Um, We got married by the, the pool, and we just had the most amazing wedding it was just it was a, it was a dream I can't believe you a, had Amar to yourself yeah it was just a dream come true and we wow. just you know it's coming up to 20 years and um, we, we we desperately would love yeah, to we des- yeah we oh, desperately wow. want to go back and see if oh. Look see after. if Al-Maha will sponsor this episode 100% <laughs> but we want to take the kids so obviously Tia and Rio have never experienced no. Al-Maha so we'd love to go back they are, are they old enough now to be allowed? I f- can't remember what the age are. I think they've kind of reduced it I think in the old days it used to be like 16 um, so we were always kind of aiming for that Rio's obviously 18 this year and Tia's um, she's just turned 14 but, um, she sure could pass the 16 I'm sure that's fine <laughs> she's tall just enough hope they don't ask for the Emirates ID and do <laughs> exactly but I'm sure we're, we're just contemplating we need to write that nice nice email definitely um, but there's, we've met people in the past who've worked there and they've like yeah oh, we remember you were the first you were the first wedding we had oh wow and um, so it was just yeah it was beautiful wedding. gosh that is fairy tale stuff then. it was It was a definitely a fairy tale wedding um, so it wasn't cold then Um. It was a bit chilly in the night, but it was it was absolutely fantastic. So sort of big fires and everything. So they they really really looked after us. I have to admit, it was um, it was a spectacular evening. That's amazing. So why were you? When did you come to Dubai? So we came in ninety. We've been here twenty three years. Wow, I didn't know you'd been here that long. Yeah. And what what brought you? Well, look. I think initially when we both met each other obviously on the, the course so we were studying as a personal trainer and sports therapist we came off the course and we, we were uncertain what to do and where to be like I said Delphine had travelled before I'd been in the military and didn't really want to stay in the UK mm-hmm. and we was in a, I was at a friend's wedding in the summer and um, we were kind of contemplating what to do next you know even as a couple um, would we want to travel? So we started kind of putting together CVs and sending them around, even whilst we're doing the course. Um, where could we work? So we were sending to high-end resorts, you know, anything from LA to to Australia. And bizarrely, we sent one here to Jabali Hotel. And it was just, you know, a thought process, you know. And, um, and you know, I met the groom of um, at, at the wedding and... Um, I remember just having a chat to him and he was a school teacher, still works here. Really? Uh, history teacher at Rashid Boys School, a guy called Andy Hatcher, lovely guy. And I uh, had a chat with him and he said he ever thought about Dubai and we just said, we just didn't know where Dubai was, if that makes sense. No? We were like, where, where is Dubai? Well, when I and first met James and he said he lived in Dubai, I was like, is that, that's like Lego land. <laughs> <laughs> it was literally my first line to him. So, yeah. so <laughs> we were like, kind of curious and and again I think all of us like a little bit of warmth especially living in the UK 
and we just kind of explored it. And like I said, we then we then sent out like a CV to to the hotel Jabali, which is very bizarre because later on the owners of Jabali become a sponsor of Team Angel Wolf. Amazing. Uh, not Team Angel Wolf, but when we were in our younger days, we yeah. set up a, uh, a health and fitness um, company called U Concept. Um, and yeah, we kind of we got on a plane. I had. Um, I left the Royal Marines because I had a, had a fairly good time, about £800 in my pocket. I had a one-way ticket to Dubai. Um, I don't think the money's changed. <laughs> the same amount now. Um, and we arrived in Dubai with a backpack. We had no job. We didn't know where to go. We tried to find a hostel the night that we came, but the guy didn't speak any English. So he ended up driving around. Is there around. a hostel soon? There is one. Is there? There is one up in Alcacés, but it, no one knows where it is. Nope. And it's almost impossible to find. So we ended up um in Deera and um I was, it was yeah it was one of those evenings where we got in very late and as we woke up we opened up the, well we were we woken up by literally the mosque my house outside and that was our introduction we were like wow so we stayed in Deera for about three months and we moved in these little hotels and we just started going around to all the health clubs which really just didn't exist uh, so next to the trade center there used to be the Hilton uh, that was kind of the big club where mm-hmm. everyone used to train um, and then in those days before Ajmira Beach Hotel, there was the Chicago Beach, um, which um, if anyone does any research, lovely hotel, it was kind of getting knocked down, but they used to run triathlons from there. Hey. So we just kind of went around and we offered um, our kind of services for any kind of running race. So we would do sports massage and stuff. And we just got to get to know the community. Then all of a sudden we um, ended up at the Wafi and they were building the Pharaohs Club with a climbing wall, mm-hmm. um, but it was just no way from finished. Uh, we had an amazing opportunity to not only meet the um, Sheikh Mana uh, briefly, and um, I think he just liked the look of us. We were meeting the management, but the management at that time wasn't really for the health club. Uh-huh. They were starting to look for that, but it was mainly the, the construction team, um, all who were running, obviously, um, all other Sheikh Mana's companies and um, they kind of liked us and they said look we'd love to get you involved we'd love to bring you out but you know it's going to be a year away um, for you to obviously um, uh, for the club to be ready so we were deciding what to do do you know do we stay and continue to look for work and it was probably the best opportunity because the place was just magnificent so we ended up going back to the UK we lived in London for a, a good year which then got delayed so it was a bit longer and then we came back out there you go. Wow, I had no idea you'd been here so long. So you've really watched Dubai grow. Look, 100%. You know, we've watched it from, you know, from living next to Lampsy Plaza to hardly anything being around. I think even remember, I remember when, they, when we first moved into the apartment that um, the Wafi provided, uh, the car park at Lampsy Plaza didn't have any tarmac. It was still sand. <laughs> and literally, mostly around even that area, there's hardly any roads. Um, crazy, and it, it was just yeah it was it was just crazy but it was it was fantastic you know what i mean and i think um, for anyone that's been here for a long period of time is and it still is it had a real village atmosphere mm-hmm. it was all family orientated and every expatriate that really came here you know was generally here for a good reason mm-hmm. um everyone really wanted to get to know each other yeah. for, and everyone was really a family member if that made sense and everyone was out there looking for each other because homes were long their way away and you don't have mums and dads and grandparents to talk to 
Um, and it was absolutely fantastic. And we just met um, a, a great group of people. And that was, yeah, that was that was our start. That's awesome. Because even like ago. where we're sitting now, like I've only been here not quite eight years, but I remember this being just sand. 100%. I remember the sign going up for the sustainable city and scoffing, going, ah, that will never happen. <laughs> <laughs> and now I live next door, you live here. And it's just, it's so established as well now. Of course. It's crazy. Of, it just happens of like course. so fast. It's of mental. Of course. So much fun. So, um, when did Rio come along? So, we, um, so a little bit of a short story from there. So, once we were at the WAFI, we were there for a, a little while. To be honest with you, it wasn't working out for us in the sense of we wanted to move forward with personal training, sports therapy. Um, unfortunately, they weren't really up for the idea. So, we thought, okay, okay let's go alone. Um, we had a very dear friend who then set up a company for us called Total Fitness. And we, and we started training and personal training um, mainly local Emiratis and it's probably the reason why we're here today and, and the great thing about it was you know Delphine would train the wives and cousins and then I'd get the brothers and dads and within a couple of families we were fully booked Yeah, no, I bet. and it was absolutely fantastic so we, we worked really really hard and again uh, for those you know I know the world of personal training and living in somewhere like the, like Dubai you've got to spend a lot of time driving between clients etc um, but it was, you know, it was, it was, it was good. It was good times. But we always wanted to establish our own facility, so we opened up our own uh, personal training centre in two thousand. I've learned it so much. I didn't know any of this. Yeah, it was in the village mall um, in Jumeirah, yep. and um, it was the first. When we look back, it was the first personal training centre in the Middle East. Gosh. There was there was none. And even when we started personal training, we reckon there were five personal trainers here in Dubai. Really? Yeah, we were two of them. And, um, and and it was just, you know, it was, it was exciting times because again, people really didn't know personal training, if that made sense, mm-hmm. that kind of one-to-one. There were gyms, uh, but the gyms were mainly parts of hotel facilities. They weren't like standalone fitness first, and the, the, that type of concept wasn't here. So we thought, look, there's a niche in the market. And we, we um, 2003 was the plan, and then, but the same year Rio came into our lives. So um, the same year that uh, we opened the doors to our first business, um, little Rio popped into our lives. Amazing. So can you <laughs> tell us about Rio? So Rio is probably the most happiest, ecstatic boy uh, you ever meet. Um, one thing that we love about him, even with all his difficulties, which I'll come into, is um, lives for the moment you know Rio is Rio isn't doesn't really care what's going to happen tomorrow and not what happened yesterday he lives he lives for now and I suppose that's taught us a lot but yeah we've we've had a challenging um almost 18 years he he will turn 18 this year on the 4th of May um and at six months we had um you know that life-changing moment um we were living in Jumeirah. So he was six months old. Six months old. And we were living in Jumeirah and, and kind of happy time. Dad was in the bath with Rio, you know, he was laid naked on my chest. And, um, you know, just lovely moment, that kind of father and son. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, Rio's head just drops to the side. Um, his lips go blue, his fingernails go blue, his eyes roll back into the back of his head and he starts breathing. Oh, so, of course, we panic, jump out of the bath. Um, jump into the car and we're like what the hell are we going to do so we rushed down to the nearest hospital which was the Iranian hospital and after seven minutes Rio comes out of this kind of unconscious state and we're like 
wow, you know, what's just happened? We see the specialist because he's kind of conscious now. They do a couple of tests and said, well, it looks okay and sends us home. And we're like, you know, what's just happened? Oh, God. And this period, this lasted seven minutes. Yeah. Um, So we go home in complete shock, no idea what's happened. And then we go into Saturday and the same thing, we're bathing ring, it goes again into this unconscious state. So again, we're back in the car and we're on the way to the hospital and on the way down again, he comes out of this, uh, what we find out is his second seizure. Um, And we realized then life was was very different. And then from then on, you know, for no apparent reason, two days later, another one, three days later, another one, five days later, another one. And they're always lasting about seven minutes because we're starting to count. That's a long time, isn't it? It's a horrible time, you know, and still, you know, still when they happen occasionally now is it's just horrible moments it takes us back to that that period and you know even as a father and even as as a you know as a mum as well you know it goes through my mind that I'm about to lose my son you know you just don't know if he's going to come out of this um and, and at six months you know what do you do you had no idea what was happening so that started a, a journey a journey that we started to see specialists here and we realized that something obviously was not right um, at the same time, we were surrounded by lots of other friends and family that had obviously given birth to kids at the same age. Mm-hmm. And I suppose it's a typical reaction, but you look at how they're developing mm-hmm. and Rio was just struggling in so many areas. And you start coming, thinking back now and you're going, oh, there was something that was not right. Mm-hmm. So we ended, up, um, we ended up finally, after four and a half years, uh, back in Great Almond Street, fantastic specialist. And we'd been probably gone down every possible route of being diagnosed and we had been already, I wouldn't say 100% diagnosed, but people would come up with ideas of what the concept would be. But as you know, mums always know best. Mm. Mum was like, no, we're not we're not there yet. We haven't found it. Um, so, um, you know, along the kind of spectrum where Rio is, there's uh, another condition called angel man syndrome. So he's already kind of diagnosed with that. Um, very kind of similar um, uh, uh, kind of, um, condition to Rio but um, like I said we ended up in Great Almond Street a great specialist who was like no we need to do some more genetical tests um, they then send all our bloods to um, uh, they went to Paris and Belgium to a loads of different specialists and they came back um, after a while um, they were quite excited as well because this is what these guys do and they're like look Rhea has a deletion on one of the chromosomes, so we're made up of 23, 24 pairs of chromosomes. On chromosome one, has a minuscule part that's deleted, so it's called, his condition is called after the chromosome that's deleted, so it's called 1Q44 deletion. Has another word at the end, which is de novo, which means it's non-hereditary. So mum, dad, it's, uh, have not passed it on. Rio has just been a part of our life, and it happened for, for no apparent reason. So that leads to where he is today. So the seizures are there, very different. Um, uh, he has occasionally had a, a long one where he, um, I'd say, convulses now later on, but he never did that before. So he'd always go completely floppy, lifeless. Um, uh, but they're, they're still there. We never know when they might hit. There's a, no warning. No, no, no real warning. Nothing whatsoever. Nothing. Nothing. nothing the triggers, and we've thought of everything and tried it. Well, not tried everything, yeah. but uh, you know, we've kind of gone. Has this attached yeah. to it? Um, but there's been no connection with anything. Um, so severe kind of learning difficulties, a challenge. Even you know, um, 
basic skills are hard for him you know even eating holding a spoon that's a that's a motor skill that's challenged for him even mm-hmm. walking um he's fairly unstable if we took him up a series of steps we'd have to probably hold his hand yeah uh, just to give him that um he's non-verbal but he's kind of learned over the years everything's about repetition so he loves nursery rhymes loves happy birthday incy wincy spider he'll, oh, really? he'll, kick, he'll <laughs> kick that out of the park um so anything that's with repetition and then he's learning more and more words but they're starting to join up and um, i'll be honest with you the best person who's teaching that probably all the wrong words has been his sister tia um <laughs> but um they're they're just like magical together so and um so and also has something um about sensory integration so when he um when he's in a new environment there's a lots of things that are happening um our understanding so there's lights there's sound there's noise there's people there's movement and he does something called stimming so that can happen sometimes where he's just trying to we think he's trying to process the environment yeah. so he's trying to calm him either calm his hands down or trying to understand what's yeah. happening uh, there's some things that definitely stimulate him so if you take him down to the beach he'll he'll sit on the beach stimming watching the waves come in um escalator sometimes cars so there's there's movement so he's stimulated by movement but it makes him makes him really happy and um, he's always happy always smiling (laughs) he was got up at three o'clock this morning and he was still happy but i don't think mum's too happy so what was that he was just awake he's like last two nights really bizarre oh really yeah three o'clock and still awake Uh, and he'll be back in a minute but uh, will he nap nope (laughs) Oh, no. <laughs> that's no. a long day <laughs> it's a it's a long day he might do it at lunchtime we'll see but um yeah but he's um happy boy that's amazing happy boy so tell me about team angel wolf and how that came about well look um we <laughs> we had a roller coaster with our business so we opened up uh you concept in 2003 bought a business partner we expanded um they did how what how how can I put this politically correct? <laughs> Did the dirty on us, yep. and we lost everything. Um, so that was number one. Then we set up another concept, actually a children's radio station. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was quite interesting. Um, got screwed over, lost that. So we were you can't be bankrupt here, but you can end up with nothing. Um, so the second time it kind of happened, it was a real whirlwind, and at the same time, I think. I think a lot of things were going on um, in just in life in general and health. And I wasn't feeling very well one day. And um, 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 I think I was working, we were doing circuits with Tia, uh, with Delphine, sorry. And um, she was like, and I, you're not looking too well. And I was, I was really struggling. I don't know what it was. And um, went to see the doctor one day and they said, uh, you look really pale. And I was like, yeah, thanks for that. That's probably why I'm here to see you. And they said, look, well, I think we should do some tests. So they found that I was bleeding somewhere internally. And they found oh, a big lump in my colon. It was, it, if it was there, it would have turned to cancer. So we had surgery, and, um, which, which was quite cool because it wasn't too invasive. They, they just popped it out. Um, and as I woke up from surgery, Delphine was there in the hospital. And I was like, first thing I said to her, I don't think she's too happy. I said, I want to do an Ironman. <laughs> uh, I want to go back to Hawaii and she was like what so you just had surgery so, so I was like as, as, the, as I woke up the nurses were there and they were like it was a lovely girl from um, real northern accent girl I think she was somewhere like Bradford or something yeah. she was absolutely lovely and she was like 
you need to start walking. So I started to get out of the bed because the quickest way to, yeah, to recovery yeah. from surgery is to move. Um, so the plan was really for me. So to go back to the story. So I was in Kona in the World Championships in 2002 and Delphine was pregnant with Rio. And as I crossed the finish line, I always remember turning around to Delphine and said, one day I want to come back with my son and daughter. And that's the goal. We will go back to Kona and race. And that's your current goal, isn't it? That's one of my goals at the moment, yeah. We're trying to figure that one out. So, um, Is it happening? Is it going ahead? Um, I would love it to. We'd love if is, it, I, is, is Kona actually happening? Oh, we don't know. if it, uh, They delayed it this year. So okay. they postponed it. It didn't happen this year. Um, if it happens this year, let's see. We've been trying to get in contact with... Iron Man uh, for the last six months who do not respond, no, which is quite embarrassing, that. really. Uh, even their foundation, and we're like, come on, guys, we've done, you know, Rio. You know, I'll come to the story in a minute, but Rio's done a lot of racing. Yeah. So, so w- the plan was to go back to Kona. So um, uh, when I had the surgery, I was like, I'd like to do an Iron Man again. You normally have to qualify, to, yep. obviously, to get a slot mm-hmm. to get back to Hawaii. And um, I planned um, Barcelona Ironman. So I had about six months to get ready for it. And I was like, cool. Um, and, you know, like everything in life. So sorry, know, this is back after your surgery. This is after the surgery. Yep. This was me waking up and I was like, I want to I do an Ironman. <laughs> but more, more for myself. Yep, you know, it. it was kind of a bit life changing. Yep. And I'd missed the sport. Hadn't done so much. We'd open up the personal training center. And like anything. Two kids. Two kids. Not, not training enough. Um, just ticking by, mm-hmm. but uh, not with a real big end goal. Yeah, hello. <laughs> it's kind of me. <laughs> so we were like, okay, um, let me start getting ready. And, and life just got in the way. The training, you know, for anyone that you know does Ironmans and wants to compete at, at a high level, it's 25, 30 hours a week time of training. Yeah. And it's very time consuming. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not and, just that. It's then having to perform when you get home as well because uh, you're a dad as well. And Yeah, not just that. And you're running a new business yeah. as well. So it was, you know, it was it was kind of tough times. But then Delphine turned around to me one day and said, have you thought about racing the rear? And I was like... That's her idea. How, of it was. Yeah, 100%. And I was like, how, how am I going to do that? So you do the research. You obviously find Rick and Dick Hoyt, who did the... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Kona um, in the 80s yes. and it's just epic it's the goosebump video yep. that's just beautiful and you just kind of go oh my god how did this father take his son with cerebral palsy on an Ironman and um, started to do my research um, so I looked into the equipment um, at the time we were we were no way in a financial position even to get the equipment so I did a shout out uh, to the community here <laughs> within like 24 hours literally someone called me and was like um, Sam Whitten from uh, was working at Adventure HQ. Uh-huh. He was like Nick, we'll get it all. I was nice. like, oh, awesome! So oh, they got amazing. me the car, they got me the bike, they got me the pushchair, and then we were like, okay, we need Incredible. we we need to do a race. And um, I was like, I'm not doing a little race, I, I, you know. And for me, I wanted a challenge. So the biggest race they had here was Dubai International Triathlon. 1.9 swim, um, 90k bike, 21k run. It was out the Atlantis. Yeah. So oh, I did that in 2015. 14. Oh, yeah. 14, yeah, because Vertex was the only, the only 73 yeah. I've done. Some, some, I know it's not official. 7th of November 2014. Yeah, I did it. You did it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, there you I, go. I podiumed as well, Nick. Come on. <laughs> Would you remember us there? I think so. Yes. I'm sure because 
I'm, I reckon, yeah, we've been around. I think, well, you've so, been there my whole triathlon clip. Yeah. So, so yeah. That, that, was our, that was our first race. And um, again, I, I have to admit, you know, what we said, Delphine said the same thing at the beginning. He said, look, Rio comes first. Yeah, Obviously, yeah. you know, we're out there for six, seven hours. If he wants to stop, we stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had no idea how he would take on this race. Um, fortunately, I, you know, I did actually have Sam um, follow me. So on the kayak, he was following on a, um, a stand-up paddleboard because we did do some... Sorry, I'm going back. I do remember because I remember seeing you on Hester Street. Yeah, of course. And I'd, yes, and we'd I remember those it looks. very clearly. Yeah, and, we'd, <laughs> and I'd be like, yes. There you go. I do remember so very that, clearly. That, Sorry, going that, back. So that was the first race. So we had Sam follow us on the... Um, uh, on the kayak Um, because we did actually you know I think we had the equipment which was always quite interesting we got it like two weeks before so we'd hardly trained with it (laughs) the bike is as you see Rio sits on the front so it's elongated it's completely it handles like a um, we call it the bus bike it is a bus (laughs) like a Tesco shopping trolley (laughs) or something Um, and we'd done a training session with a kayak and Rio decided about 500 metres away from the shore that he was going to jump out because I'd stopped so Rio likes movements, and I swam into a load of jellyfish. Oh, no. So I was getting stung. Rio jumps out the kayak, oh, my and I'm like thinking, uh, and he's laughing and giggling because <laughs> he's in the water. I'm trying to get him back in the kayak, and I'm thinking, oh my god. So anyway, I get him back, go back to shore, and I'm thinking this could be a nightmare. We're going to do the swim, and Rio decides to jump out. Um, so we had Sam follow him, uh, follow us, but Rio was happy in the kayak, super happy. Uh, again, I think it was the sensory, watching other swimmers yeah. around him, all the splashing, loads, first thing in the morning, sun coming up, beautiful down at the Atlantis. We get on the bike, um, obviously night K bike, and then we go out and do the 21K run, and we find as he could cross the finish line, this boy is just happy. I like the way you just skimmed through that Love bike. That. that was a really windy day. Uh, the worst one was Challenge, oh, which really? was the next one, Challenge yes. Dubai. Did you do Challenge Dubai? No, I didn't, but I remember because we went through this period of a few years, didn't we, that everything kept getting, like the swims were, the swims were getting shortened yep. and things. Every big event we had yep. over here, yep. everyone's like, they must think it's like windy all the time because we were just kept having this really unusual weather for every big event. So now I remember. So Challenge, my, my story changed in Challenge Dubai. So that was in the, the February afterwards. It was the same distance, so 1.9. Uh, 90k and then a 21k run and the morning of the race Dubai was hit by this horrendous sandstorm and it was just it was terrible so we get down there and even the organizers were going Nick you sure you want to swim and I'm like yeah I'm swimming I'm figuring (laughs) out um I I did say look uh, Sam again was there to follow me on a stand-up paddleboard uh, they did cut the swim but what they did rather than one big loop they did two smaller loops Mm -hmm. um I still think today it was probably the hardest swim I ever, what well, we've ever swam in. Uh, the conditions were just huge, big waves. Oh, really? Loads of people just didn't make the swim. Some people only How made was Rio no, staying in his... well, I had no idea. Um, and the interesting thing, Sam uh, was there to follow me around. So when I come out, come out of the swim, finally. Um, Sam's on the beach and I was like mate well you're on he said Nick I never got past the, the no. breakers to follow really? you out and I didn't know he was good enough because obviously the organisers were obviously <sighs> following us so we had a jet ski apparently off oh just following us out so I didn't know so then we get on the bike and you know my bike weighs 35 kilos Rio was about 25 at the time probably 30 
Um, but pushing that in a sandstorm is tough. It's tough enough if you've got this lovely little nine kilo carbon fiber bike. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a moment when we went from, so we went from Jamir, we go out to Academic City and we come back in. And I'm just coming down towards uh, um, kind of the flyover to get back to Maiden. We probably got about 30k, done 60. And it was just one of those moments, I'm absolutely spent. You know, this is, this, this really hurt me, this race. And um, I always remember Rio's in front of me. So you can kind of imagine, and there's a stage, he turns around and looks at me. And I'm thinking, oh, he's probably going to say, Dad, I've had enough. Done, his, yeah. his eyes are all bloodshot because of the sand. Oh, and I'm like thinking, this poor little boy. And then you start thinking, why am I doing it? Am I doing it for me? Am I doing it for him? And then you think, he's the priority Uh so I'm kind of expecting him to say dad finish and totally we're finished I've done one race we got the medal got the t-shirt done um you know it's been a fantastic journey and he just turns around he says it changed me ever he just uh, turns around just says dada I love you (laughs) and that was it and I was like oh my god God. He, he genuinely he was 12 he genuinely loves this. So we, we had 30K back in. It was the easiest 30K I've ever done in my life. We got on the run. The run's horrendous as well because it's all windy. <laughs> we crossed the finish line and he's just the biggest smile. And I go Amazing. down and it was just another lovely moment. And as I finish, I go down to get him out the chair. He's going, Dada, more, more. <laughs> and Rio, we've just seven hours and we're exhausted. And that was the turning point. And then we realised we should race what we found as a father and obviously a son I found a bond with him I found out what he loves and we've just found something together and then we are now 380 races wow we've done Rio has covered 10,000 kilometers of swimming cycling and running in races alone what a legend over the last six years We've basically, he has basically swam, biked and run the same distance from Dubai to Australia. That is unreal. It's nuts, huh? And well done to you as well. And not just me, Tia. No, I know she's so doing she, it now too. She's a big, she's a big part of it. So yeah, look, it's been, um, so that then kind of created Team Angel Wolf. So in 2016, after all our kind of dilemmas, we thought, how can we make an impact? Because we all of a sudden, we realise when we were racing, people were like, Wow, this is cool. It was, you know what I mean? Yeah, and, well, you know, as, a, it's, it's, as a racer, it was so inspirational to see yeah, you guys out there. And, and it's just lovely, you know, the feedback that we get from other athletes and organisers and everyone always supports us. And you just kind of thought, how could we do this full time? Um, how could I do something that I love, which was triathlon? How could I do it with my son? How could we set up a non-profit organisation to spread awareness about children with disabilities but most importantly our goal has always been about inclusion to make sure that everyone's included irrelevant who you are um if you have a if you're differently abled what color you are what race you are it doesn't matter everyone needs to be included uh too much of the community today is segregated in their different elements Mm. and how can we bring and sports always a great thing it always breaks down barriers you know we look at the the power of the paralympics you know as a growing body now the special olympics um, and I always find sport is lovely because, you know, we're all there on a start line. We've all got a common goal. We've got to get there to the finish. Um, so we set Team Angel Wolf as a non-profit with a community development authority. And this is what we do. We do this full time. And 
and try and get support and sponsorship to, to make a difference. Amazing. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. So I was going to ask you what your, um, your, your toughest moment was, but I think you've answered that with challenge. Yeah, look, challenge, but there's been oh, the, the weekend. <laughs> um, we do, so back in, oh, back in May this year, obviously during lockdown, we were looking at other activities that we could do, obviously, because we couldn't swim, we couldn't bike, we couldn't run, we couldn't do travel. And how was it for Rio during lockdown? Because obviously with us here, um, so a lot of listeners are in the UK. Yep. Um, I talk about this quite a lot because they're like, you didn't get it as bad as us, but now they're in the third lockdown. So I feel yep. terrible saying that. Yep. Um, but we, were, we weren't allowed out. We, were, yep. we, were, we had to stay home 24 seven. Um, there was no one hour exercise or anything. So for Rio, who obviously- Look, a, a, a real challenge for him. And, and obviously for a little boy, he just wouldn't understand. Mm-hmm. Rio has routines. Yep. He likes his routines. Um, he's, he's gone for a walk now. We'll come back, you know, so his day is fairly scheduled. Yeah. Fortunately, we spend a lot of time at home. You know, Tia's homeschooled, I work from home, Rio's here. So we're kind of into a schedule and, you know, it wasn't broken up too much, but we weren't going out. So we were also trying to think what other activities could we do for Team Angel Wolf and encourage people to get involved. So last uh, May, I decided to climb up and down our stairs with Rio on my back. So we did the equivalent of Burj Khalifa. Yeah, do you remember we did it as well? You did it as well, got the videos, got the photos. And that was awesome because Rio then saw that as a race. He was like, Dada, race. And even though he's on my back, um, climbing up and down these stairs, he absolutely loved how, it. How, um, how is your back? My back's fine, just physically. And I, I'll kind of bring you up to date. So then what we, we had such a great impact then when we did it because it was right in lockdown. We had people globally joining us on Amazing. this kind of climb. Um, and then we thought, how could we do this long term? So we created Climb with Rio World Tour. Uh, we started in July. So what we do every month, for the last six months, we go to a different continent. So we started off in Europe, and we say to everyone in the world, if you're at home or outside or whatever activity, especially during lockdown at the moment, try and find a landmark. Um, it could be a building, it could be a hill, that you could do the equivalent virtually at home. Mm-hmm. And it's great for kids, because then they have to do a bit of research. Mm-hmm. How big's Big Ben? How many steps I've got in my house? How big's a step? How many steps times that? How many times do I need to go up and down to climb Big Ben? Yeah. Brilliant. Um, so we then have gone around the world over the last six months going to a different continent. We, we, I know there's seven continents, but we, we connected Australasia and Antarctica. There's not <laughs> Just much. in case anyone feels like picking it up. <laughs> yeah, but there's not much in Antarctica. So, <laughs> but the reason why it works six months, so we go July to uh, uh, December, and then we then we start season two. Right. So now we're back. We've just done season two. We just did Europe again, and I explain what we just did. So last year we did uh, July. We did Europe. So we climbed Big Ben. Um, no, I didn't. Apologise. I did that as training. I, we climbed the Eiffel Tower, and um, then we went to Africa. So we did the pyramids. So Amazing. we climbed up and down. Yeah. Um, then we went to Australasia and Sydney, and this is where Tia jumped in. Tia climbed Rio with, with Rio, Rio on her back. Up and down the stairs, the equivalent of uh, the Sydney Opera House. Fantastic. She did the whole thing with Rio? She did the whole thing. No, she didn't. Uh, unbelievable. So Just Rio put in business. must we, be we, heavier than her. Heavy, heavier than her. I, and I still, I, I, I'm in awe. I'm in tears when I watch her. I'm like, and she wants to do it. You know, it's not something we ask. So do, do you fancy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she just does it. Wow. She, I can see, she's as stubborn as I am. Yeah. She goes really dead quiet. She just gets in a zone and she gets on with it. But then I start thinking, so I weigh about 75 
80 kilos. I'm thinking, if I carried someone 80 kilos up and down these, that would hurt me. But she does that. Um, so and she is did, he in a carrier? We've kind of got a strap, which we, it's, it's actually like a baby yeah. strap with a big piece of cloth and it's got big wraps around it. A friend of ours made, made it here. Awesome. Um, kind of works, but it's not perfect. You know what I mean? Um, the last climb I did, I did it without. So I'm actually holding You're Rio. holding him. Does he hold on as well? Uh, not really. Oh, it's, wow. it's, it, it, the problem, the thing is, I'm able to get him in a better position, which is higher up on my back yeah. when I do it like that. Um, I think as we go forward, we'd love to find a company who would help us build a almost like a rucksack. Yeah, like a proper a like um, that sort you go like mountain climbing 100%. with kids. Yeah, yeah. So, but uh, one that could fit Rio. It doesn't yeah. need a steel frame. It just needs to keep him secure, but it needs to keep him high. Yeah, the high is the issue because uh-huh. it just it's so much harder when he starts to move down. So she did Sydney Opera House. Then the following month, we went to South America. So Rio climbed solo, which was brilliant. So we thought we'd let him do it by himself. So he did the Nitori Contemporary Art Museum, which is beautiful. It looks over the bay of uh, Rio de Janeiro. Um, So he went up and down our stairs as well a few times, but that was lovely. We did the Empire State Building when we went to North America in November. So we did it as a family. So mum did some floors, I did some floors, Tia did some floors, Rio did some floors. Um, then um, I still got a video to make for that one because that one's quite epic. And then we finished the year. Tia and Rio did the Museum of the Future here in Dubai. So we thought, again, connection, we're back in Asia. Uh-huh. And then this month, I was silly enough to think, you mentioned about the hardest thing. I think this weekend I'm still in pain. Um, <laughs> I Because my kind of old days being in the Royal Marines, I thought, why don't I try and find a connection back to the UK, especially during lockdown? Um, so I was like, let's climb something that's kind of monumental for anyone in the British forces, and it's Penny Fan. So Penny Fan is in the Brecon Beacons in Wales. It's part of the where the special forces train and have all their, um, uh, not just training, but all their assessments. Um, and I was like, yeah, let's do Penny Fan. But Penny Fan is higher than Burj Khalifa. It's 886 metres. Mm. Um, and without any training, I think I went up and down the stairs with Rio 20 times beforehand. Um, I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be all right with this one. <laughs> Absolutely annihilated me. Uh, just, we, we got to a stage I'd have to get Rio off. I, I, we had to do it 127 times up and down our stairs. Um, we ended up carrying by the end of it, which was quite interesting. When we got halfway, we were like, exactly halfway was at the Empire State Building. So we climbed the Empire State Building twice. Oh my God. Um, it took me six and a half hours. Um, and yeah, it, I think it was probably the hardest challenge because it's relentless. Because on the way up, in like a triathlon, you can get into a zone when you're swimming, cycling. Yeah, it's hard. You're out there for a long time, but this is just, I've got to step up physically mm. to get up. Mm-hmm. And then on the way down, it's just as bad because you're trying to balance the yeah. stability. Yeah. Um, so I have to admit, uh, yeah, I was I was a bit grumpy <laughs> at the weekend. I, think I, my, I can my, see why. <laughs> um, but we did it. We climbed it. Um, I, you know, the goal was to finish it. So, and again, we just thought this might be a nice concept to engage with, you know, the military back in the UK, ex-military personnel. Mm-hmm. Um, we had loads of schools here join. Oh, um, so again, we've had a lot more support. You know, we, I think like anything, when we've done it, 
Um, the goal has been just to do it, but now obviously we need a little bit of assistance in trying to get it out there. Mm -hmm. Schools, because uh, KHDA sent it out to obviously all the schools. It's a great project for the kids. Yeah, you know absolutely. what I mean? Yeah. You know, something that they can do. And again, I think physical exercise is really challenging at the moment for a lockdown, mm -hmm. um, even at school, if the kids are going to school. Um, so how can we motivate them? Yeah. And I always like, you know, I think the Team Angel has always been about story. It's telling a story that may connect with people as an individual or kids, and they might see different things. They see Tia and they go, oh, I want to be like Tia. And so you kind of go, wow, okay. So if that can in, in motivate children to be active just through what we're doing, then then the climb is a is is good for us going forward because mm -hmm. it's something that we can do. With I reckon it will take us a year for it to explode to yeah. kind of get that. Um, you know, that profile of who we are and why we're doing it. Um, but I, I think it would be a great program to go through school, <laughs> companies. You Absolutely, know I mean? yeah. Um, we all need a little bit of happiness. And if there's, you know, I always looked at um, like the Terry Fox run, you know, people did it because of him, mm -hmm. who he was, what he did, what his story was, um, rather than just another run, rather than mm -hmm. just another vertical climb. So I think because there's a story connecting, we hope that. That might, that might Do you know, it makes me think of um, someone my husband does go into the office uh, because of the, the rules around the lifts that only so many people are yes. allowed in. It can take like 20 minutes to actually get in a lift. So he just takes the stairs. stairs. So it could it could combine. It could, if you can reach the companies. Look, and, and I think so, you know what I mean? And, and I'm sure we all know that, you know, mental health is high on the agenda for everyone, uh, especially at work. You know, so much uncertainty at the moment. So. Mm. You know, I think physical, as we know, physical exercise is such a key component to yep. it. Um, if we can do something that's fun for a reason, um, then, yeah, I, that's always our goal for Team Angel Wolf. Yeah. It's not just about spreading awareness. It's also trying to motivate people to be active as well. That's yeah. our background. No, absolutely. You know what I mean? So by telling a story by who we are and what we do, um, if we can encourage people to move, and whatever that movement is, climb upstairs once, brilliant. Done something better, more, yeah. more than you did yesterday. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, yeah. So goals for the future for Team Angel Wolf? Uh, look, I don't, um, it's not really going to stop. Um, we always have to, I think, <laughs> well, we always have to keep reinventing ourselves. This summer we're planning to race in Roth. So we should so say that like, the previous Roth. years you've literally done a race every day of every weekend. For... Probably, look, the summer we can't because of the season mm -hmm. here. Um, but mainly, yeah, mainly at the weekends we will we'll at least do one or two races, mm -hmm. if they're there, our, our race. So this, um, this kind of year has been completely it, different for you? It's been different. Obviously, that's how we've had to do things a lot more at home. Um, you might have seen we did a load of activities coming out of lockdown here. So literally from July onwards. Um, the first month, I cycled 50K every day with Ria. Yes. I so that was called moving June. June. Uh, the next month, what did we do? The next month... Um, Tia ran pushing Rio 30 days 3k the next month Rio walked one kilometer so we're trying to yeah but uh, also just to say in these months are the summer months here which are almost impossible to be outside in it's yeah look we, we managed to get in July and July it was it was all right as long as we got out early yeah. there were early starts it was a long month but it was brilliant we were out there every morning we had people join us as much as they could um, because of social distancing yeah. Um, and again, it was just hopefully trying to inspire people to move. So we're always, you know, looking at situations saying, what, how can we make the most of this? Mm -hmm. um, and I suppose that's us going forward. You know what I mean? We'd love to have big plans. You know, Kona, 
Hawaii is definitely on the plans. Um, I don't think we'll make it this year because we really, our focus would be more doing one Ironman distance race, which is Challenge Rock. So Challenge is 3.8 swim, 180 and 42. So that'd be our first full distance race with Rio. But again, do we know it's going to happen? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but we would love to think it would. Um, so yeah, they're, they're the plans. There's a lot of exciting things really need to watch a space at the moment about some developments with how to get more people involved with Team Angel Wolf, um, not just here on a local level, but globally. Mm -hmm. um, how can we engage with the audience from the UK? Is How, how, how do we get more people involved? Uh, we've got a whole concept that it's in its initial phase at the moment. Um, and hopefully we'll be able to announce that in probably the next couple of months. Because uh, awesome. we're going uh, to need some real partners and yeah. I wouldn't say investors, but we definitely need some funding and yeah. assistance. Um, and I think this could make some radical change, um, not just in the world of disabilities, but just trying to get people more active and m most importantly, getting people moving and um, make sure, you know, make sure everyone's being included. Uh, I think that's, you know, that's been always our thing with Team Angel Wolf. Yeah. So, yeah, look, there's lots of goals. The races will always continue. Um, I think my daughter's going to kind of lead at some stage. She's going to start beating, <laughs> she, you see, she, isn't is. She? <laughs> she is. We're training together at the moment. She's flying. Is she? She's flying. We do. So my whole philosophy at the moment, so just to tell you something else, we're, we're going to launch Team Angel Wolf membership. So another way in trying to get support and everyone's going to get membership packs and we're creating a series of programs. So again, how can we inspire people to move from uh, zero to running their first one kilometer, 3K, 5K, up to doing probably a 70.3. Um, and because I've coached for so many years, I've kind of looked into the philosophy of training. And I was, I'm a firm believer that most athletes are either overtrained, um, don't really focus on the right things, and most importantly, don't you know enjoy it. You know, mm. So they're out there doing endless kilometers, mm. but with no real purpose. Mm -hmm. um, you know, For me, uh, especially as you get older, technique and form, and all everything else that happens behind the scene, right? let forget the running, swimming, biking, you know, the mobility, the nutrition, um, or even the mental side, all these elements. So what I'm doing with Tier at the moment, and again, it's kind of going to become a part, it's always been my philosophy anyway, it's always about quality. So it's all about technique. Um, so we're, we're running two or three times a week, hardly any distance. Really? Um, but it's all drills. It's nice. drills on form. How can I get her more elastic? Mm -hmm. um, how can I uh, look at how she, her form while she's obviously performing? Oh my God, she's starting to, <laughs> even I'm going, I, I shouldn't have taught her that. <laughs> um, oh, this is and, brilliant. And, and then we're doing the same philosophy. So we swam this morning. It's all drills. So uh, all drills, honest, not um, distance. So same thing on cycling. Awesome. What's the purpose of going doing 100 kilometers? No. Uh, go and do an hour and a half or an hour quality workout yeah. that will not only going to um, stress you into obviously getting into the right environments and zones. I don't forget zones. Um, and, and I'm a big old school person. I don't believe in technology. I I don't. He use... says with his GoPros and yeah, his, yeah, that's all right. His Mac. Don't have a watch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're fine then. <laughs> so no. Um, I'm not really into all the wattage and heart rates no, and no, all that. Like, go, go, go on feeling. Yeah. 
and you know you're not feeling good that day don't push yourself you know what i mean feeling that good day and it was supposed to be a day we spoke make the most of it um and again if you start looking at a lot of the pro athletes today people like daniela ralph in the uh, in triathlon they don't race with a watch they go no, oh, no they i think feel. most don't yeah most don't know so you know i think that's a great philosophy so that, you know for us is you know how can we coach people how can we um but what started out as writing a program on my, oh my God, I might end up a book. Um, because there's so much there's so much into it. Yeah. And again, I want to make training fun and I want to inspire people to move, but enjoy yeah. it. And it's a learning process. Um, it's like running. No one ever teaches you how to run. We spend loads of time in this pool working drills and things. No one really teaches us how to cycle either. Yeah. Um, and there's some fundamental basics. Get them right. And you go, oh, this starts to feel easy. But it takes time, like anything. It's, it's no, developmental. I was going to say that, um, so my son, obviously, he's only six, but yeah. um, he started with a new swim team um, in September and I was messaging the coach. I'm like, I think you've started him, you know, you've brought him back. He's not doing, he's, he was swimming X amount of lengths before and now he just, you know, I feel like he's in baby swim. And um, that was the first week. And then I said, okay, I'll hand it over to you. You know what you're doing. I'm, I don't, obviously. I've just, I've said my bit. <laughs> And it's been incredible. He has improved so much because he is doing drills and drills and drills, and that's all they do. And he's moved up his level, and it's just more drills. And it's it, and it's actually it's really interesting for me because I've not like had swim lessons since I was yeah, six, yeah. really six yeah, or seven. Yeah. So I'm trying to like I'm sitting watching the lesson and trying to take it to the pool like what they do, <laughs> trying to bring it back. It's amazing. It's really it, incredible. It is true. And again, Tia wakes me up in the morning to go running. <laughs> I she's like she's like looks forward to going out because. Awesome. she's learning something so we're, yeah. we're doing you know and I always think a training session has to have a purpose most purposes are you've got to do that distance you've got to go and run for an hour and a half what's the point in running for an hour and a half if there's nothing that will benefit in your performance that you'll be able to use in the future mm -hmm. so it needs to be a key component of what that should be when you're training maybe it'd be a posture whatever whatever that is head position arms whatever um, so, so it's almost doing drills at the beginning, having a focus of that, and then obviously re-emphasizing them during the session, and then at the end, just doing a recap. Do you remember that? Mm. And then all of a sudden, I'm just watching Tia's posture, how she's running, because now it's becoming second nature. And I'm, abs I'm absolutely loving it, because I'm experimenting as well. You know, I've been doing this for years, but it's allowing me to go back to basics mm -hmm. and go, there must be a component here in every one of these disciplines that can make me better as well. And it's making me a better athlete. And again, I'm, we're not getting tired. You know, we're going out and I still race at the weekend. So I smash myself at the weekend. Um, if you, you know me racing, I'm, mm -hmm. I, I'm the quietest person. I mm -hmm. just blank everyone. You and, do? And, and I'll like, Hi, Nick. <laughs> <Go Rio>. Right. <laughs> it's not, I'm just in a zone. No, it's I, 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 And I always say to people, I when I race, I race. I generally collapse at some stage across the finish line, but I love it. That's my thing. Um, so we'll recover in the week, do loads of drills, race again at the weekend. So. Will you ever race without Rio? Everyone keeps asking me. I think everyone's worried about what, how I perform. Yeah. <laughs> I, no, I don't think it's worried. I think we're all intrigued. I think everyone is. I don't know. I think if I do it, I have to go to Desert Island. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't want to disappoint myself either. Um, I don't know. I I would genuinely miss him. Yeah. I just, we've done this for so long. I would run probably 500 meters and go, no, I'm not doing this. Mm. 
I genuinely, everything that we've done is, has been together. You the know race, we couldn't lose its purpose without it's, him. It is. I'm, it's, it's, it's so lovely to have him with me. You know what I mean? So I'm running, he's in the chair, I can see him. You know, same thing with the swimming. Swimming's slightly different because I can't see him, he's behind me. But on the bike, you know, we're having a chat. Being on the bike by myself. Yeah. You know, Does he eat when you're racing? I, I, yes, we feed him. Um, it would depend on the distance. I have seen pictures of Delphine like stuffing. Uh, transi- transition. Transitions, hundred um, percent, and we're doing things like changing nappies as well. Make sure he's dry yeah. because again, if we're doing, you know, the longest race we've done is obviously seventy point three, um, and you've seen the last few seventy point threes that we've done. He's generally ended up a bit wet, so he's got waterproofs on. So we'll completely change him so mm-hmm. he's going into dry clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, food is 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 key. I will stop um, and feed him. Um, mainly with simple things, bananas, things yeah. that you easily consume yeah. and water. Uh, but then when we're in transition, mum will try and get as much down as possible. But, you know, typically me, I'm not that I don't think about Riyadh. Yeah. So like, <laughs> I didn't get going. <laughs> uh, trying to get to that finish line. So, yeah, look, um, yeah, we, yeah, he's, he, uh, he loves it. Just loves it. Thank you, Nick. It's been really interesting. I didn't know any of that, actually. Oh. I know the whole, <laughs> the whole history. The last thing I wanted to ask you is just about um, the name. Team Angel Wolf. Yeah, it's, it's so Rio's our angel. Um, and Tia is our little wolf. Um, for those that know Tia, she's this lovely, um, bouncy, um, what's the right word? She's just, she's just a lovely natured soul, but she's got a real character. She's a wolf. She bounces <laughs> off things. She climbs on things. She runs around on all fours, running around supermarkets, howling at people. Um, <laughs> she's just this lovely girl who, um, who has developed Rhea. Rhea would not be who he is today without her. She's, she's just magical. She gets in his head. She gets in his zone. Uh, she, she just, they just play and so they've they got their own they've got like ma- unbelievable relationship and we realise today that Rhea would not be the boy he is today without her mm. um, she has brought him on so much uh, they have their own language going on uh, as in they kind of cursing at each other, but they've got little things that set themselves off they can look at across the, the room Tia can make a facial expression Rio's giggling and laughing <laughs> and he then says what she's about to say They've got this whole, yeah, they're, they're, they're absolutely fantastic. So, yeah, Team Angel Wolf. Amazing. Thank you. Pleasure. So, last last three questions. Yes. If you were to have coffee with anyone in the world, alive, dead, fictional um, family, who would it be? Look, I was thinking about this one before. And for me, and I suppose, you know, you can look at people in, as, as who they are and what they've achieved. But I think, for me, it's always kind of comes back to fa- family. I... Unfortunately, I lost him when I was about 12, 13. The most loveliest grandfather you could possibly imagine from my father's side. He was just a comic. Um, he he kind of lives this lived the spirit of who Rio is today about living at the moment. He was always laughing, always joking. Um, my grandparents used to own this lovely guest house in Falmouth in Cornwall. And, um, you know, my parents used to drop us off and we used to spend the days there. And... and you know, my grandfather would always rock up in a Santa Claus outfit in the middle of the summer serving <laughs> the guests. You know, it was just this typical kind of character. And if there was any moment in life where we used to, he used to be around with the family, my mum and dad's friends, and 
you know, uh, having a get together. He was just a lovely personality. And I just kind of, he, he always reminds me of Rio, of living in the moment. And he was just such a lovely person. And, and it makes me inspired to, you know, that sometimes, you know, life is a bit short. And we need to enjoy every ab- absolute mm. moment of that. And the importance of family, and for him, you know, it was all about us, the, obviously his grandkids. And mm-hmm. and I suppose, you know, if there's someone I'm going to take away of just being happy and living at the moment, it would definitely be my grandfather. That's awesome. <laughs> Amazing. And um, obviously you've been a parent now for 18 yes. years. But, um, is there anything that you think you say to Tia and Rio that your parents used to say to you? Oh, I'm gonna to have to get back to you on this oh, one. I don't know. See, uh, they didn't read the questions, did you? <laughs> <laughs> Send them to you in advance. Then. Oh my gosh! I, I did, Let's I'm move along to the, the the hack. Um, oh, there's got to be something out there. I don't know. I don't know. I think I think maybe it's not something to say. I think it's just something traits that you do as a personality, and you end up doing things. Or I'm just trying to think that that. I do with Tia. I don't know. My father was, um, you know, such an influence. Of, uh, I wouldn't be saying things. He was more of a doer. You know what I mean? So he never really told us to do things, mm-hmm. but he was led by example. example yeah. You know, he would go out and do the gardening. And if you'd sit in the couch going, I think I better go and help my dad. Um, and it was never like, you know, you must go out and do things. It was always kind of leading by example. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get respect out of that, you know, rather than always being telling what to do and I don't think my parents really did that much you know there wasn't really kind of so much a certainty you must do this you must do that it was more like that's what they did and and I think I've always done the same and maybe it's a military background as well you can't even lead by example uh, rather than always telling people what to do and and I think maybe that's it you know I mean and my father was just so good at that he was he was always active he was always doing something he was great personality as well like my grandfather um, and um, yeah, I, you know, I think it was more by what he did in these actions that I hopefully I'm doing myself, you know what I mean? So it's almost like coming back to Team Angel Wolf and Triathlon. You know, we've never told Tia to do triathlon, never told her to race with Rio, you know what I mean? It's interesting. Um, I, I'm very a firm believer that, and I've seen lots of parents, you know, when they push kids into sports, you know, by the age of 14, they absolutely hate it. Yeah. I'll not play tennis again for the rest of their lives. Uh-huh. Um, because we've been in the industry, we've seen this for so long. It's more about leading by example. And it's more by, okay, this is what I'm doing. And then you, we'll turn around to Tia and say, do you fancy going for a run at the weekend? And she'll then lead it. And then she'll get excited. And then she'll tell us how she's going to race. Um, but it comes from her. And I think... You know, I think maybe that's maybe that's the lesson that I've learned. Maybe it's just come down from you know from my father, yeah. from maybe the military as yeah. well, um, and 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 she's becoming the person she is, and hopefully she'll do the same. You know, when she has children in the, in the future, mm-hmm. you know, she'll probably just go out running, and then her kids going down. Oh, can we come? Yeah, and I, I think. hope so. I hope that from for our kids. <laughs> <laughs> and um, any life hack. Um, advice you can give to anyone who may be in a similar situation to you or either whether it's sport or family life or um, life with Rio yeah look this is I could go on forever for this one Um, look I I think lockdown has taught us so much Um, I think we were there for a lot of people like many people maybe today is I think the importance that we've learned in life is how important family are Mm -hmm. Um, 
nothing else really matters. Mm. You know what I mean? And you see all, you know, great entrepreneurs, Steve Jobs, you know, he wrote a lovely quote in his when he was very ill mm-hmm. in the late stages. And all the materialistic things just didn't matter. They don't matter. You know, I think we live in a world, unfortunately, today that is materialistic, where there's too much screen time. Um, that's, you know, we're being engrossed by, you know, something that's very false. Um, and I think it's being able to disconnect from that and realize what's most important in life. And that has to be family, you know, and when we're all under one roof, we are anyway, <laughs> when we're all under one roof in lockdowns, especially, you know, like I said, it must be super tough again in the winter in the UK. Um, how the dynamics of that family is so important. And if you get that right, yeah. everything else falls into place. Mm-hmm. But it, I, I see too many people still today ch- chasing the big car, the nice house. Mm-hmm. Does it really matter? No, it doesn't at all. You know what I mean? As long as we're healthy, mm-hmm. we're also healthy to lead great traits with obviously our family and friends. And um, yeah, I think for, for us personally, it's about you know, being together and we can learn so much from each other um, going forward. Um, and yeah, enjoy it. Enjoy the journey. And like I said, I suppose I'll close on this is, like I said with Rio, Rio lives for the moment. Now, he does not, we have no idea about obviously what's going to happen tomorrow. What happened yesterday? Mm-hmm. You don't care if he raced yesterday. You know, he's now in the moment, loving the moment. And I think we can learn so much from that. And as long as we're surrounded by good people, um, we can do great things. Amazing. Thank (laughs) you very much. And how can people find you? Yeah, simple. So social media is the best. So Instagram and um, and Facebook is probably the easiest one. We are completely, uh, excuse me, uh, redeveloping our website at the moment. So there'll be more information there. But social media is a great way. And then if people want to, you know, get involved with what we're doing or what we're about to announce, um, yeah, please just message us. All the details there, phone numbers, emails. Just at um, Team Angel Wolf. Team Angel Wolf. Um, yeah, hashtag Team Angel Wolf. Just put Team Angel Wolf in. <laughs> you'll, you'll find them. You'll, There's you'll, not many of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you'll find us. You'll, you'll definitely find us. But yes, thank you. Thank you. Pleasure. Super day. Thanks thank a lot. Thank you very much. Take care. A big thank you to Nick for boldly going where no man has gone before and speaking to me today for the podcast. Please take a look at Team Angel Wolf and find out how you can get involved in the many sporting activities they courageously organise and admirably complete. I dare you not to be moved. Thank you as always for listening and have a super week everyone.